back to the Cheer Up podcast with me, Michael Cheer. I'm really glad that you've decided to join me again for episode three. And I really hope you enjoyed my story in the last episode. I want to thank everyone who's reached out following that episode and sent messages of support. Like I said previously, my goal is to help impact change and to shift perceptions, making it the norm for people to speak up when they're struggling. So again, I want to reiterate that whatever you're going through, the pain you're experiencing in your head is the worst part, and speaking out will be the beginning of your road to recovery. For this episode, I'm going to be talking about the emotion that is fear. I want to talk about what exactly fear is, the different types of fear we face as humans, the perceptions of fear, and how we can use fear to our benefit, among other things surrounding this topic. Everyone has varying levels of fear, so I want to uncover why we are all different in this regard. It might come as no surprise to you that I was terrified to launch my own podcast, especially to share my story last week, even though it was something I really wanted to do and excited to do. How can it be that we as humans can experience these two polar opposite emotions simultaneously? So with that in mind, I want to keep the intro short this week and jump straight into today's episode. What is fear? Fear is simply just an emotional state where our brains are activated to avoid pain. An emotional state that can be triggered off by so many different things for all of us. The way I like to think of it is that it's the negative personality of the voice inside your head. That voice may ask what's stopping me from starting my own company, or volunteering to take lead on a project, or talking to someone you find attractive, or trying something new. The answer is fear. As humans, we all feel fear in some way throughout our lives. When telling my story, I mentioned I felt like I lived a large part of my life living in fear. This was essentially due to a subconscious reluctance to step out of my comfort zone, and I think that's a big part of what fear is. What changed my perceptions about fear was a simple acronym that I heard from many speakers. Fear. F-E-A-R. False evidence appearing real. When we're fearful, we believe in that false evidence, even though it doesn't exist. Fear can destroy our psychology and immobilise us from taking action. All of us experience fear of some form during our lives, whether it's the fear of rejection, fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of love or losing love, the fear of being alone, or the fear of the unknown. In fact, most of us feel a combination of these fears over the course of our lives. Fear is hardwired into every human being. Nothing we do in our lifetime will take it away. The secret is learning how to use fear instead of letting fear use you. While we all experience countless variations, there are two primary fears that all human beings share. The first fear is a fear that we are not enough, and the second is a fear that we won't be loved. One of the reasons why some people are more fearful, I'd include my past self in this statement, is because our definitions of the things we fear is incredibly disempowering. Crazy, right? We have the power to determine what causes us fear. We subconsciously define to ourselves what we consider to be failure, what we consider to be rejection, what we consider to be judgement, or what we must do to feel like we're not enough, or that we're not loved, etc. But guess what? We can change all of that. 
Fearful emotions include everything from low levels of concern to intense worry, anxiety and even terror. Like every emotion though, fear does serve a purpose. The message that fear sends to our brain is simply the anticipation that something is about to happen to you and you need to prepare for. We either need to prepare to cope with the situation or do something to change it. The problem is, the majority of people either try to deny their fear or they wallow in it. Unsurprisingly, neither of these approaches are helpful. They do not allow you to take advantage of the message that fear is trying to deliver, so it will continue to linger until you do what's necessary to prepare you for the situation. It may sound far easier said than done, but you don't want to let fear overwhelm you, and consequently amplify it by starting to think that the worst might happen. This is what I was guilty of when my health anxiety disorder was at its most prevalent. I was constantly thinking worst case scenario outcomes. They say what you resist will persist. And I resisted my fears constantly. And guess what? They only lingered. Let's talk about the science behind fear now. Firstly, our thoughts are processed by our brains, and more specifically, our emotions are processed by a group of structures that is part of the brain called the limbic system. Within that is a collection of nuclei known as the amygdala, and this is the part of the brain that essentially controls our response to fear. When we're in a state of fear, the primary nucleus of the amygdala, known as the central medial, projects a response to what is known as the paraventricular, which is within another part of the limbic system called the hypothalamus, which triggers the release of the stress hormone cortisol. The amygdala is also responsible for producing the changes in our physiology when we reach these states of fear, including the increase of heart rate, sweating and the dilation of our pupils. It is within the amygdala where the emotion of fear is born and conditioned. When we experience these physical sensations and when cortisol and adrenaline kicks in, the prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of our brain, shuts down. This part of the brain is linked with executive functions such as decision making, problem solving and self-control among other things. We can define this as our fight or flight response being activated. The majority of the time now, these experiences turn out to be false alarms or just an inconvenience. Nowadays, the things that the majority of us humans fear are not considered a physical threat to us. Like I mentioned, we fear rejection, failure, judgement, etc. Don't get me wrong though, there are still fears that are a threat to our lives. For example, from a personal point of view, the burglary experience I faced. But, it's worth remembering that our human brains are over 2,000 year old. Our primal brains initially triggered fear in a time when humans were chased by saber-toothed tigers, for example. And even though our world has evolved, our brains still respond in the same way to fear as to those uncertain and uncomfortable moments. The problem is that allowing yourself to feel such fear about 21st century issues can lead to hindering your potential and can destroy your self-confidence. I personally felt fearful to a potential illness threatening me and yet there was never any evidence for it. This naturally contributed to my self-confidence being destroyed as a result, and I ended up avoiding all sorts of uncomfortable situations by staying in my comfort zone. This is something that we can call perceived fear. As I'm recording this, I've just come to the end of Susan Jeffers' book, 
feel the fear and do it anyway. I was recommended this book by my HR director and boss, and I tell you what, it has been brilliant for me. It's helped change perceptions I held about fear, and I recommend it to everyone and anyone as well. I'd like to share five potentially obvious truths from the book. The first is that fear will never go away as long as you continue to grow. This means that we need a degree of fear. If we're going to grow, which we need to of course, naturally you're going to experience new situations, therefore there's going to be uncertainty of what's going to happen. Avoiding to act in the face of fear will only result in you staying in your comfort zone, a place in which you fail to grow. The second truth is the only way to get rid of the fear of doing something is to go out and do it. I'm sure that doesn't come as a surprise to some of you. Most people who seek professional help for a phobia of some sort are usually put into a position where they are made to face their fear. In a similar way to learning something new, repetition is the best way to master something. The more you do of something, the less you'll fear it. For example, if you're terrified of flying, but then you face your fear and end up experiencing flying on a regular basis, you'll eventually lose that fear, even if you may not like it. Or public speaking is another example. A lot of people aren't exactly fond of it, but naturally, the more you do it, the less you'll fear. The next truth is that the only way to feel better about yourself is to go out and do it. This may stem from a fear that at a certain point in time you didn't feel like you were good enough at what you were doing. But guess what? If you go out and do it, you'll get better at it. This is one of the ways that you can build confidence in doing something. The more confident you are, the more you'll improve. And of course, the fear will decrease. The fourth truth is something I've already mentioned in previous episodes. And that is, not only you are afraid when facing the unknown, so is everyone else. Sometimes we get lost in our own thoughts and we start to feel that we're the only person experiencing problems. But realising that other people are facing similar issues can ground you and it can remind you that you are human, just like everyone else. The final truth is that pushing through fear is less frightening than living with the bigger underlying fear that comes from a feeling of helplessness. I think the topic of my first episode reflects this perfectly. Pushing through the fear of speaking up about any mental health issues is less frightening than bottling it in and thinking that nothing can solve your problems. This final truth is something I like to keep repeating in my head when it comes to facing uncomfortable action. And like I mentioned, once you do push through that fear, you'll feel a huge sense of relief and accomplishment. Remember, courage is taking action in the face of fear, and fear is simply a call to action. I want to now focus on some specific common perceived fears. Let's start with the fear of failure. Now, it's worth pointing out that failure and rejection can be linked depending on your perceptions. No one wants to be seen as a failure. The issue is, everyone's definition of failure is different, am I right? Remember, nothing means anything except the meaning that you give it. Failure for one person may be perceived as a learning experience for someone else, and this is where we need to get to when talking about failure. Recently, I changed my definition of failure. In the past, I used to believe that if I felt bad or if I didn't achieve what I'd set out to do, I would be a failure or that I'd failed. Whereas now, for me to have failed, 
I have to have totally given up, or for me to have not even made an attempt at something. Was it realistic for me to never feel bad, or always get what I want when I set out to do something? No, so obviously I'd feel like a failure quite a lot of the times. And now, having re-evaluated my definitions, hey presto, I very rarely feel like a failure anymore. This is a good exercise for you to have a go at. Put me on pause and write down your current definition for what failure is to you, and then write down a new definition that makes it very difficult for you to feel like a failure. I hope you did put me on pause and did the exercise. If you didn't, go and do it now, while I've got you in this zone. Now, the reality is, every successful company or product became what it is after a failure or multiple failures of some sort. I challenge anyone to give me an example otherwise. Now I come from a design background, so I know that most designs don't become successful from that first draft. I'm going to give you an example now of a supposed failure. The light bulb, I think, is a relatively well-known story. Most of us know that Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. As the story goes, he was deemed too stupid to learn anything, and was apparently fired from his first two jobs for being unproductive. It's said that it took Thomas Edison over 1,000 attempts to successfully create the light bulb. Most people probably would have given up after maybe even 5 or 10 attempts of apparent failings. When he was asked about how it felt to fail the previous 999 odd times, he responded by saying he didn't fail 999 times. The light bulb was invented with 1,000 steps, and he learnt 999 ways not to create a light bulb. How's that for a response to other people's perceptions of failure? Never let other people determine your potential, and how high you can jump, so to speak. In the words of Henry Ford, failure provides the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. Believe it or not, there is also a fear of success. Success is something we all want, right? So why would we fear it? Fear is part of success though. It's a sign that you're growing, a sign that you're pushing yourself. If you get to a point of fearing what happens next, that might be a sign that you're close to reaching the next level in your life but you might feel like you're not ready for it yet. But guess what? If you wait around until you think you're ready, you'll be waiting forever. So that's why you need to break through the fear and jump to that next stepping stone along your personal journey. What constitutes success in your life? What are your goals in life? Now for you to achieve those goals, does it require you to suffer a bit? That's also where fear of success may stem from. A fear of success may come from the sacrifices that you need to make en route to where you want to be. There's a quote from an American motivational speaker, Dennis Waitley. He says, Procrastination is the fear of success. People procrastinate because they are afraid of the success that they know will result if they move ahead now. Because success is heavy, carries a responsibility with it. It is much easier to procrastinate and live on the Sunday owl philosophy. Let's move on to rejection now. That's a horrible one, isn't it? Now I suffered with a lot of fear of rejection in the past, mainly when it came to any sort of potential interaction with women that I found attractive, as mentioned in my story in the previous episode. Again, we can only feel rejected by a lousy definition making it easy for us to feel rejected. 
I'll do what I did with failure and tell you what would have had to have happened for me to feel rejected and my new redefined meaning for rejection. Before, I used to believe that if I was incapable of succeeding or if I couldn't offer anything different or if I believed it was impossible for me to attract someone I found attractive, I would be rejected. The issue with all of these is that at one point in my life I believed all of these to be true without any proof or evidence. It led me to avoid any opportunity to prove my beliefs wrong. Like mentioned, avoidance behaviour would just lead to a lack of personal growth and you'll never overcome these perceived fears. And with these habits of avoidance, you can end up living with regret and then you begin worrying about what you potentially missed out on. That's how I started to feel when I eventually realised that I'd just let fear get the better of me. Compare those definitions with my new ones. It's almost impossible for me to feel rejected now. Every time I experience what I would have once perceived as a rejection, I now consider it a learning experience and an opportunity to take a step back and readjust my approach, whatever the situation. Remember, like failure, most people would have faced a number of rejections before they tasted success. Take J.K. Rowling, for example. We all know what a success Harry Potter has become, but it took 12 rejections from publishers before her pitch for Harry Potter was accepted. She never took no for an answer. Let that be a lesson for all of us, especially the most fearful of us. I want you to do the same exercise as you did defining failure. This time, just identify what currently needs to happen for you to feel rejected. Put me on pause again and write it down. You'll reap the benefits more seeing it written down in front of you. Now, I don't want to stop you from defining your own new belief, but I can't imagine a better belief than accepting rejection as an opportunity to bounce back stronger by readjusting your approach. Rejection doesn't mean you aren't enough. It simply means that other people have failed to notice what you have to offer. The fear of judgment is the next one I want to talk about. Judgment is something that you can't escape. Everyone judges everyone. But again, it's down to people's definition of judgment. The fear of judgment was something I worried about a lot before starting this podcast. That's the imposter syndrome trying to take over my mind. No one wants to be judged negatively. I was worried about receiving negative comments or that people would have thought that I was weird or that I wasn't qualified to speak about such topics. Now, I just think I am who I am and I don't care what other people think of me. This attitude has made me feel more confident and stronger mentally. For me personally, a fear of judgement came hand in hand with a fear of failure or rejection. It would be a compound effect where if I failed or if I was rejected, I'd be judged. I know I'm not the only person who would feel like this. I believe that people who feel judgement tend to be people pleasers. They want to make everyone happy and make sure everyone likes them. I was like that, I think. Realistically, this is impossible. I've learnt to accept this. I can now focus on what's best for me and I prioritise my personal development and growth, which you have to. Now, I mentioned towards the start that we as humans have two primary fears. The first one being the fear of not being enough. Notice 
that how when we feel a fear of failure, a fear of rejection, a fear of judgment or any other fear, we tend to feel like we're not enough. Not rich enough, not smart enough, not sexy enough, not young enough, not good enough. There can't be a feeling much worse than this. Especially when you feel like you're not enough for someone that you love or for someone whose love you desire. That feeling will drive you crazy. Why? Because it triggers that second primary fear. We fear if we're not enough, we won't be loved. I hope this illustrates how fear can terrorise your life if you let it get on top of you. There would have been parts of my story in the previous episode where you could see how I let fear get the better of me and I felt like I wasn't enough and that's where I was at my most vulnerable. We've talked a lot here about perceived fears, but of course there are other fears like phobias. I gave an example earlier about a fear of flying. This type of fear, along with other similar fears, for example heights, they are, of course, fears due to a perceived threat to your life. You may be in a position where you feel like you might benefit from professional help. Again, if you do, don't shy away from seeking help if you believe it's going to benefit you. I know with phobias you'll be pushed to face your fear and like I said before the more you face your fear the quicker you will overcome it. I think people who are considered shy and not very confident are usually the most fearful. I was one of those people but just shifting those definitions of the perceived fears have made me feel way more confident and more courageous. I've learned and accepted that you'll get nowhere without confidence. Most people say that confidence comes with competence, but it may be scary for some people to hear, but it's usually the other way around. With confidence, you can get your foot in the door, whether it's in business or at the start of a relationship, and you can always develop the skills that make you become more competent. Yes, it's important to be competent in whatever the subject, but if you don't have the confidence to share what you know, it won't get you as far. And I hope that this podcast is a sign of my growing confidence. Anyway, I want to leave you with a little homework task, so to speak. Think of the cost of letting fear overcome you. What would you miss out on? How would things be different? Think back to a time where you were fearful, but you did break through and you did it anyway. Reflect on how things would have been different if you let fear consume you and how grateful you are now for taking action despite the fear. Remember how good it felt afterwards, and let that feeling of accomplishment drive you in the future, when you do inevitably encounter another potential moment that you would initially fear tackling. So again, I want to thank you for listening to me today. I really enjoyed making and recording this episode, and it truly feels like a mountain has been scaled personally. I can only help others who may be in similar situations, feeling stuck, trying to get themselves on the right track. Remember, we make progress when we grow, and we can't grow within our comfort zone. And I've learned that we're only truly happy when we feel like we're making progress, so bear that in mind. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and you'll join me next week. In the meantime again, You can keep up to date with my journey on Facebook and Instagram by following Cheer Up. This week, I'll be sharing my 30-day ultimate self-care challenge tracker, 
with a number of new habits I've added to my daily routine which have helped me to keep on top of my mental health. So keep an eye out on that and I hope it can help you guys. Remember, believe in yourself, focus on growing, face your fears and cheer yourself on.